Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to the Grief to Growth podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as in FM radio. And now back to our episode. Today's episode is the weekly global gathering of AREI, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. The topic of the meeting was, does suffering lead to growth? And I was honored that uh, Wendy and Victor Zamet chose my book, Grief to Growth, to for me to present to the meeting for this week. So this it's a conversation. I do start off with an introduction, but there's also a conversation of back and forth on how suffering and growth kind of go together. So I hope you enjoy it. And I was thrilled to be asked to work with Wendy and Victor. I start off with a little story at the beginning. You can see why I was so thrilled. First of all, I want to say it's an absolute honor to be here, um, to be with with you guys today. Start to tell a little story. I had a reading with Suzanne Wilson. The first meeting reading I had was about three years ago. I'm a, probably three and a half years ago, probably. And she said, I somehow see you working with Victor Zamet. You know, do you know Victor? And I was like, of course, I knew who Victor was, but never imagined that, you know, I might someday actually be, you know, working with Victor and, and Wendy. So Suzanne Wilson's a pretty amazing meeting to come up with that. <laughs> but just to tell you guys a little bit about myself, um, uh, again, my name is Brian Smith. I live uh, just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. 
And I'll start with the passing of my daughter, Shana Elaine, who passed on June 24th of 2015. Uh, Shana was a 15-year-old girl. Uh, she was relatively healthy. Uh, we had, she had no life-threatening conditions that we knew about. And the morning or the after or the morning of Wednesday, June 24th, uh, Shana simply didn't wake up. We went to her room to get her up and, and couldn't get her up. So that obviously was a shock and devastating to us. Um, and I went on a search after that to figure out, first of all, how do I survive this? Uh, that's the first thing when, you know, something like this happens to your daughter is just, am I going to be able to get through the next day, the next minute sometimes? So it was a matter of, of survival for those first uh, few months and weeks and managed to, to get by with that. And then a whole series of synchronicities began to happen. Uh, someone emailed me and said, why don't you reach out, reach out to Mark Ireland, who was one of the co-founders of Helping Parents Heal. Um, and Mark had written a book, a couple of books after his son Brandon had passed away. So I reached out to Mark and Mark and I exchanged a couple of emails. Mark was gracious enough to send me both of his books. I read those books. Um, they helped me tremendously. And that's why I got kind of acquainted with Helping Parents Heal. So the girls, Antoine and I used to, or my wife Ty, we used to go on vacations. Um, the girls loved the ocean. So we would usually go to the beach during the summers. And Kayla, my older daughter, who was 19 at the time, or 18 at the time that Shana passed, said for our next vacation, instead of going to the beach, let's do something different. Because I don't, you know, just going to the beach without Shana doesn't seem right. Let's do the exact opposite. Let's go to the desert. So she wanted to go to the desert. So my wife, who arranges all the trips, arranged a trip to Phoenix, Arizona. So we go to Phoenix, and I, as I'm making arrangements to go to Phoenix, I find I realized that Elizabeth Poisson, who was the other co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, lives in Phoenix. So we were there. We met with Elizabeth. She introduced us to a couple other people in Helping Parents Heal, and we decided we wanted to become part of that organization. So my, uh, Ty and I, this was, um, this was, I guess, about a year after Shana passed, almost a year decided to start a chapter of Healthy Parents Heal here in, in uh, Southwest Ohio. So we did that. We started the chapter here. And that went kind of okay for about a year or so. And then we met some other people through Suzanne Giesman. We met um, Tracy Susi, who's one of the leaders of the online group, and Beth West. And Tracy had the idea, let's start the Healthy Parents Heal online group. So we started that up. And that's grown to about uh, about 5,000 parents, I believe, as, as of right now. And that's been going for about three years, I guess. So we run the online group. The Cincinnati group, actually, we don't, we don't meet face-to-face -face anymore because I spend so much time with the online group. So I've been working with Helping Parents Heal for the last three years or so. And through that, I have met literally hundreds, if not thousands, of parents who are going through the same thing that Ty and I are going through. And being a caring listener for Helping Parents Heal, running the online group, uh, we have uh, basically usually, I guess, biweekly, or uh, we have meetings a couple times a month. So in our meetings, we'll have people on that are healers, uh, people who are mediums, people that have had near-death experiences, people who are afterlife experts. Uh, we've had Barbara on, uh, Barbara Reed, to do Akashic Records. Uh, we have all kinds of experts in this field come through, and I have the honor and the privilege of being able to interview those people for on behalf of Helping Parents Heal. So through this and through all the reading I've done in the last four years, 
Um, and I work with actual Dr. Gary Schwartz from the Soul Phone Project. So through all of this, I've gained quite a bit of experience in this field of, of grief. So not only having gone through it personally, but also through, through studies. Uh, also co-taught a course with Terry Daniel, uh, who just wrote a book, um, Grief and God and about uh, how toxic theology can, can compound your grief. So Terry and I have taught courses together. So after all this, I decided maybe I'll try to take this and put it into something that can be of service to someone. And I decided to write the book. Um, early on in my grief journey, um, I started listening to podcasts. And one of the first podcasts I listened to was by Sandra Champlain, We Don't Die Radio, or We Don't Die. And Sandra had an audio, it was about an hour-long audio that, she, that you could download and listen to. And I remember downloading that audio and listening to it, and it explained, you know, what grief is, what you, what you expect in grief physically and emotionally. Um, and it was, it, was, it was so helpful to me at that time. And, and, and there, those early days, you can't really read. You know, if you try to read something, you're just in a fog. So having the idea was very helpful to me. And I remember Ty and I lying on the bed and listening to the audio together. So I decided, let me see if I can do something similar, but I wanted to expand on just not just what grief is, but how do we cope with grief? And what is, what is the purpose of all this? Um, so that's when I decided to write Grief to Growth, which be, that became the book. Um, and I really wanted it to be a very short, very simple, to the point handbook on what to expect when you're grieving, how to deal with the grief, and, and basically how to get through it and some techniques because of my whole perspective is from the fact of the continuation of life. I mean, for me, the only way I can get through my grief is by knowing that my daughter is still with me, that I will see her again. And Shana actually drives everything that I do. And Shana has come through several mediums and said, daddy, you got to write the book. Daddy, you got to do the website. Daddy, you got to, you got to do more. So everything I do is for her. So Backtracking a little bit, about five days after Shana passed, I started a blog. And I, I don't even know why I started it, but I started a blog on her behalf, basically. So it's kind of an open diary just to kind of, um, I guess, kind of document my grief journey. Um, so I was planning on turning that into a book. Um, and that actually has not happened yet. This book kind of came about in the meanwhile. Uh, and then about, uh, I guess, three or four months ago, I decided to start my life coaching and grief partnering practice. So I've got the website up and I'm doing that to try to reach out to, to more people. So um, that's kind of the journey in a nutshell, you know, over the last uh, four years or so. Um, the reception for the book so far has been, has been really good. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely pleased with it. Uh, the reception, I'm pleased with the fact that the book seems to be really helping um, people. Um, I'm hoping it'll be like a handbook that people can, you know, quickly read uh, something that you can give to someone who's in, that's in grief um, and that it'll be uh, absurd. You know, it's interesting because we had someone come into our home right after Shana passed and she was extremely, extremely helpful. I mean, it really helped us get through those early days. But I remember one thing she said to me specifically, she said, when people use euphemisms, I realize they haven't accepted the fact that the person has died. And when they can finally start using the word dead, that's when I know that they are, they've accepted the fact that the person has died. I don't, you'll find rarely will I use the word died or dead. Um, I will, I do accept the fact that Shana's body died. Shana's body stopped functioning. But the, the grief 
counseling that I do, and, and my belief is, is based on the continuing bonds approach, which is a relatively new approach in group counseling. Uh, it was the kind of get over it thing, the, the separation. Um, and at best, you know, even with my Christian background, my Christian faith is either the, the dead are asleep or they're way off in heaven somewhere. We have they, have, they have no knowledge of us. We can have no knowledge of them. There is to be no communication. Um, and I have seen personally in the last four years how much this continuing bonds thing really helps people, especially parents that I deal with, um, to be able to contact their loved ones, to know that they're still with us, that they're still involved with us, that we will physically see them again once we close these eyes and open our eyes on the other side. But uh, so I think it's very important to have this type of work out there for people because I believe, well, I know it's more effective. Um, there've been, there've been studies that have shown that a medium, one medium reading can be more effective than several years of traditional counseling. Um, now I went to a grief counselor three times after Shana passed, but I was fortunate enough because of the studies that I had done on near death experiences. I never doubted that Shana was still with me. Uh, I never doubted that Shana, uh, well, I actually, I, I wouldn't say I knew she was with me. I knew she continued to exist. I didn't really know that how close that she was going to remain with me. But I remember going to this grief counselor and I went to see him a couple of times. And after the third time, I'm like, I don't think I need to come back anymore. He said, I don't think you do either. Because I was actually kind of t just telling him what I was, I already believed. And that, that is what's gotten me through. So like I said, that's why I wanted the book to be able to do was to tell people, you know, what things actually lead to growth. And it's the number two, I can hold up a copy of here. It's not going to show up against my green screen, but it's grief to growth. Uh, the subtitle is Planted, Not Buried, and it's uh, How to Survive and Thrive After Life's Greatest Challenges. Uh, it's available on Amazon, it's available in Kindle format, and it's available in paper book. Ironically, I started off, I wanted to make this an audio book, and the audio book is taking the longest to get approved. So I'm hoping it's going to be available in audio book uh, within the next week or two. But uh, it is available on Amazon, as I said, in both uh, ebook format and in paperback. Much for the... Uh your efforts to change the paradigm because I think it's, it's timely. And, uh, the nutshell for me is that I lost, uh, of my, uh, he was instantly when he was hit by a car. And I, like you went to, the, I mean, all the pressure was go to either the priest or the traditional grief counselor, neither of which felt like a fairy tale for me that Scott was above a cloud somewhere in heaven. Uh, it, it wasn't solving my pain. And mm -hmm. my visits to mediums were the thing that gave me perspective. And I love planted, not buried. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And that the paradigm for me was changed when I realized, I mean, I'm a scientist by training, so I definitely wanted proof, but mm -hmm. with, even if it's empirical evidence, any scientist, if there's enough empirical evidence, will acknowledge that there is some premise to this. And so I've been given proof, but the, the traditional model leaves something missing. And so I, the, the way I distinguish it is, people will say to, would say to me, it's time to move on. Yes. That's gone. It's time to move on. And yeah. what I came to understand is that I was unwilling to move on, but I was willing to move forward. And once I understood yeah. that I could move forward with him rather than move on without him, 
I still have a relationship with him. We speak a different language and it is a different type of relationship. But because I know that I can have a continued relationship with him and I can move forward with him, that has enabled me to move past grief to, okay, this is the next adventure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I like the language that you that you said, and that's the language that I use. And I was I've I've said that to several people, like exact same thing. I am not willing to move on. I am not willing to put Shana in my past and to say, okay, that's over. And then every day that goes on, I get one day farther away from her. Like she just stopped there. Um, actually, the the analogy I look and, and the way I have it in my head is, we were walking along the road back home because we're all going home. And Shana ran ahead, which is just like Shana. So Shana ran ahead, and she's there waiting for me. But in another sense, as you said, I can still have a continuing relationship. But every day I look at it, I'm one day closer to seeing her again. And that's that's what I wanted the perspective of the book to be for people. If you if you think that this person is just gone, they just disappeared, and you're never going to see them again, then you're going to really struggle with your grief. Um, and I, and I, I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. I don't, I don't know how people ever get over that. And it's like the Bible says, you know, we mourn, but we don't mourn like those who have no hope. So the, the hope that we have, and this is not a faith thing either, by the way, I am a chemical engineer. So my background is science. Um, I work with Dr. Gary Schwartz and the soul from our project. So, you know, Gary's done studies on me. I've studied mediumship. Um, and, and I've studied people have studied media, you know, Julie Beischel, the work that she's done. Um, so this is not, it's not all just based on hope or wishful thinking and the work that Wendy and, and uh, Victor do, you know, we don't have to just hope we can know. And I tell people when they say, you know, Brian, I, I really wish I could believe what you're saying is true. I'm like, just give it some time, you know, just look at the evidence. And someday I want to put out a book or at least a resource guide with, you know, the tons and tons of evidence that's out there that people aren't aware of. They think, oh, it's either you ha- I have to have my faith, I have to just read the Bible, and uh, I won't mention any names, but I know people who have been lifelong Christians who have read the Bible, and it's, it's fine until a child dies. And then they're questioning, you know, what does this really mean? Can I really believe this? Why would God let this happen to me? I, I was a good person. Am I being punished? You know, all those things, which come from a perspective that death is the worst thing that can possibly happen. And we all here know that it's not. That death isn't the worst thing that can possibly happen. It's a temporary, partial separation. And what I say to people, is that the, the, the purpose and the thing in the book is, one of the purposes of coming to this planet is to have hardships. I mean, it's, it's not a mistake. It's not a flaw. It's built into the design that we're going to have hardships when we come here. And our thing is we, we set it up, I believe. I think Shana probably talked me into this. And we came here and said, okay, let's see what happens when this happens. How is it going to help me to grow? How am I going to help other people? So looking at it from that perspective, we can flip this thing around and say, yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, it, and I don't sugarcoat that. It's, it's the worst thing that can happen to somebody but what can I do now that it's happened and how can I use this, like I said, to grow myself and help other people? Um, that approach to grief counseling is a Freudian approach where it suggests that you need to give up on everything, get, get on with your life and 
forget about them and take their room and convert it into a study and throw all of their things away. Yep. And that, that is being replaced by continuing bonds focus now. But when I approached the largest group of bereavement counselors in the United States, and I wanted to have them let me speak about this at one of their conferences, they said, no, we wouldn't do that because you're giving people false hope. And of course, they're, they're assuming that this is, there's nothing to this. So we run against a, up against a blank wall with the bereavement uh, counselors today. But they, I want to put in a plug for Rochelle Wrights, mm-hmm. who is a, a, a Washington State licensed counselor, and she uses a method that she developed called repair and reattachment grief therapy. And what she does is she has the, the clients undergo a procedure called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization of reprocessing. And the clients then have 98% of them will have a connection with their loved ones while sitting in the psychotherapist's office, 98% of them. And and they're just unbelievable. And they come out of their session with the EMDR psychotherapist and the rating of their discontent or their their disturbance at the beginning before they started the therapy is at a 10 or a 10 plus plus plus. And, and at the end of it, then it's down to a zero, one or two. Mm -hmm. So I do want to say that there, there are grief counselors who are focusing upon this continuing bond about making a a communication with the loved ones. And that's what's coming in the future. That's going to grow. And we're going to see much more of that in counseling and it will be accepted by the grief counselors eventually. They can't help it. It works. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, I would say a couple of things that one is when they say you're giving people false hope, their, their approach is not working. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing, thing about grief counseling is interesting because of all the, all the mental health uh, disciplines, grief counseling has actually the, le- the least amount of effectiveness. Now mm-hmm. I think it's because most people frankly don't need grief counseling. Most people, if your 90 year old grandmother passes away in her sleep, you're probably going to kind of get over it on your own. Your parents die when they're older. You're probably going to get on your own. It's the complicated grief that, that where people are going to need a counselor. So that's, that's one thing to look at it, but to say it's false hope. I mean, first of all, what's the worst thing that can happen if you get better believing that your loved one goes on. Secondly, you know, people want to talk about the scientific approach. The scientific approach would be to examine the evidence. And the people that say that, you know, you're giving people, there's so much evidence out there. There's, it's just, there's a crazy amount of evidence. So I say to people, again, I challenge them when they say, why are you, why are you, why do you believe this? I'll be happy to tell you why I believe it. How much time do you have? You know, I'll, let me tell you the books that I've read and, and the people that I've talked to and the studies that have been done. Um, so I'm very adamant about, you know, saying to people, you know, this is a, a method that works for me. You can accept it or not. And my method is, it is based on the assumption that we are spiritual beings here having a human experience. If you don't accept that, then, you know, this is not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Brian. What you've said is wonderful. And I applaud your, your efforts to get this message out to people. Thank you. Thank you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. 
Let me know what you think. Of course, I agree 100% with Brian. And um, I thank you for everything you do, Brian. And for the community that building that you've done, it's tremendous. And I know from the readings that I do, <coughs> excuse me, that the first step is, as you said, to recognize that the body has died, but the soul lives on, that there is in another dimension still everything you loved and everything you knew of the person who's gone, so, so to speak. This people can pretty readily accept after a while, but then they go to the point of, well, I'm so happy that my loved one is enjoying this wonderful life beyond the earth life. And now I want to go and be with them. Yeah. So I'm going to count off every day. It's, it doesn't mean anything to me to be on earth anymore. I'm yeah. doing a countdown to when I can start my journey to yeah. this next dimension. And so we're looking at um, possibly poor health and maybe even a desire for suicide. And so, of course, as you know, the next step is to get going what you just mentioned, which is um, the idea that there's more, so much more, to the relationship you have with the person you love, that they're going to help you to carry on the work on, on the earth that you're doing, which you can only do here. You can't do it in the next dimension. And they're going to be encouraging and helping you if you allow it so that you're working together. And I had someone from, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, from the group, from our group Helping Parents Heal contact me a couple days ago. And had made, they were making this point that they just can't stand anymore to, to think of their child being there and they're here and, and uh, they're look, they just don't want to, have any part of talking to other people and I said well what if you could envision that your child is right there with you right here with you would you want to talk to people then and they say because they had a reading with me in the past they said oh I forgot about that working together thing yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I wanted to say thank you Brian yeah, I, Barbara, I, you know, the thing is, I'm very frank. Uh, I think I discussed it in the book, and I discussed it with other parents. I, I met with the parent on Friday, Thursday, Thursday. She was uh, in town, and we sat down, and she said, have you ever thought of suicide? You know, have you ever thought that you don't want to be here anymore? And the frank answer is yes, I have thought I don't want to be here anymore. And I remember uh, several years ago, or right after Shana passed, I was listening to a podcast, and Donna Visaki was on, and she, her book is I'll Meet You at the Base of the Mountain. And she talks about seeing a bus coming down the street. And she actually took a step off the curb to step in front of the bus. And I think, I, I would guess most parents, I've talked to hundreds of them, I would say most parents have had that feeling or that thought at some point. Um, two things. One is I have a daughter, another daughter and my wife that are here. Um, so I couldn't do that to them. Secondly, as you said, um, you know, Shana is going to be, she's going to hold me accountable, right? So if I show up there and, I've, and I haven't taken care of myself or haven't done my job, I'm going to hear it from her. So um, but that's a process to get to that point where I could sit, where I could say, yeah, I can, you know, the first few days, I didn't want to look forward to one more day, let alone when people would say, 
well, 10 or 15 years or something. I'm like, I don't, don't talk to me about 10 or 15 years. But um, as I've gotten more purpose from this, um, it's made it more, you know, I, I look forward to the work that I can do while I'm here. So however long I'm going to be here, I want to do everything I can do while I'm here. Um, you know, what Karen said, I think we, we have a lot in common, as I said, for myself, I needed to, I, I, like I said, I'm an engineer, I'm an analytical kind of person. I'm like, I, I grew up with faith and I, and I kind of believed it, but I also grew up with a God that was angry all the time and made me a sinner and wanted to throw me in hell. So when I rejected that, you know, I was like, okay, what else do they tell me that's not true? So for me, you know, it's a matter of I had to do the, the research and find out scientifically and, and experientially, you know, all the people have had NDEs. I mean, there's, there's got to be something to that. And I, and I love veridical NDEs. I love people that have experience out of body that can tell, you know, tell you what happened while they were out. Um, but there is, and I, and I, and I appreciate Karen, you admitting the, you know, the suicides and the, and the despair that can come from this. Even when you do feel like that, you know, you've got that person on the other side and Barbara you know, touched on that. So that's why we have to tell people, you still have a purpose. You know, you still have a reason to be here. It's not just, you can't just bypass. And I, and I, I use the analogy of college graduation. I'm looking forward to that the way I look forward to graduating from college. But I got to finish my classes before I can do that. You can't just graduate now. So I've got things. If I'm here now, I'm here for a reason. And I have a higher purpose to serve. Uh, my own soul, my own higher self wants me here. I'm here to serve other people. I'm here to continue the mission that, you know, that Shana and Kayla and Twan and I started. So that's what keeps me here. And, and, you, and we, I think you have to tell people, in your grief, try to find purpose. And, and one of the best ways to find purpose is to serve other people. Mm -hmm. So if you find a way to do that, it, it makes the rest of this life, you know, okay, and actually can be good again. And I never, ever thought I would say that, you know, a few days after Shane had passed, I was like, you know, this is it. My life is over. I, I wasn't planning on, you know, I, I'm the oldest in my family, in my family of four, you know, I'm older than my wife and men generally go first. So I'm like, I had it all planned out. I was going to go first. I wasn't going to deal with any of them going. And I would say that, you know, like, you don't know that. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I am going first. That's, I know I'm going first. And I was wrong. Brian, thank you so much for your talk. It, it's very inspiring and, and your book and, and all of the things that you're pointing out for us. I'd like to ask you, if you will, speak to the process of grief as it relates to one's belief or acceptance of the difference between spirituality and toxic uh, religions and or including how one views or values the self in choices and decisions that and new beliefs that we make about death or about the uh, termination of our our lives on this side could you help us uh, could you speak to that with us sure um, you know Terry and I just did a talk uh, Terry Daniel and I did a talk a week ago about toxic theology I, I believe you're on it Pat um, the thing you know and I had some pushback from someone say that said not all religion is bad and not all religion is bad a religion is good and most religions have a lot of good to them Theology becomes toxic when theology makes you feel like you're out of control. 
feel like you're a bad person, feel like you actually have no hope. If your theology tells you that your son is in hell because he committed suicide, or if your theology tells you that your daughter is in hell because she was gay, that's not empowering you. So for people like that, you know, that's why Terry wrote her book, and that's why I try to help people with it. That's your theology, then you don't have to accept that. Um, for me, I, I was raised Christian. I know the Bible backward and forward. My grandfather was a pastor. His two parents were pastors. Um, so I still quote the Bible a lot. I still have a lot of respect for the Bible. But I read it completely differently than I was taught to read it. Uh, and I know how, how much it's been abused and misused and misquoted to further a political and, and an agenda that keeps people you know, oppressed. So my faith today is actually stronger than it's ever been. But I've been through many dark nights of the soul. I've been through many times where I'm like, okay, I just found out that's not true. I just found out the earth isn't 6,000 6, years old. And I found out that, you know, there isn't an eternal hell, you know, that stuff like that. But um, my faith is based on the fact that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Science is coming around to talk about how consciousness is primary and consciousness precedes the material. So for me, it's, it's a new kind of faith, if you will, but it's not really a faith because it's based on evidence. So um, what I'd say to people is like, even if you're, I don't, someone says, I don't believe in God. I'm like, fine, because you tell me the God you don't believe in. I probably don't believe in my God either. There isn't a big man in the sky who's watching over us. And it's actually, I think, even more empowering because I start, I'm starting to believe more in soul planning that we had a hand in planning this. And people will say, well, why? Why would I plan this? And then you have to talk to them about, well, because we grow through pain. That's the way human beings are. We, we, unless something hurts us, we never change it. We will continue to do the same thing until we come into discomfort. That's, and that's fine. That's, that's a good way to operate. But sometimes something needs to wake us up. And if, you, and if someone says, well, not death, though. Death is the ultimate end. Excuse me, how is that going to wake me up? <clears throat> well, it's only tragic if you look at it from within the human perspective. If you look at it from a higher perspective, it says that that person that transitioned is still fine, actually better than ever. They're still with you. You're going to see them again. Then, then it puts the whole thing in perspective, and you can start to make some sense of it. Um, Shane and I love to play video games. And this is something that always comes to my mind. We used to play this game called Mario Brothers. And then Mario Brothers, you get all these lives. And you just – so Shana would always have, like, tons of lives because she was such a good player. So when, she, when her character would die, she would just regenerate. You know, it's, like, not a big deal when your character dies in a video game. That's kind of what it's like with us, you know. We have so many lives. We, don't need, we can't even imagine how many lives that we have lived and will live. So from that higher perspective, if we plan in something like a, an early death, you know, it's like, that's eh, not that big of a deal. You know, we're gonna, we know we're going to reset anyway. So it's a hard thing to accept at first, but it, it does require a shift in perspective to, to get there. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. 
I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. When in actual fact, we've got 150 odd years of very solid evidence of life after death. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because science has been tremendously successful in giving us iPhones and computers and the internet and all that stuff. But science can't answer the why questions. You know, why are we here? It's, yep. it's just not equipped to do that. And science is simply a technique, a way of examining things. Yep. But we've become so enamored with science, we've turned it into a religion. And we've said anything that's not being, can, can be proved in a lab through a repeatable experiment doesn't matter. So, for example, near-death experiences, I mean, it's like millions or billions probably at, the, at this point, people have had these experiences. And you have people that will discount them saying, well, that's not science. Well, if you told me that something happened to you, I, I would believe you. And that is, that isn't a certain type of evidence, especially when millions of people report very similar things. And as I said, I'm very interested in veridical NDEs where like my friend Penny, who was dead in the hospital, sees her sister in her car driving to the airport and can tell you what she had on. It was like, Penny said, why is she wearing those clothes? You know, so there's, there's things like that. And try, you know, people, you can't explain that through traditional techniques. And people say, well, you know, someone was in an operating room and they can explain what the surgeon said while they were clinically dead. Well, if your brain's not functioning, you shouldn't be able to hear, let alone remember. Mm-hmm. So there is just so much evidence. And, and there's people that I think just basically in denial. And they call themselves scientific, but they're really not being scientific. Yeah. Science, science is science would examine the evidence and come to the most likely conclusion. And there's, there's just so much. Okay. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to, to really thank you, Brian, for the book that you have written and what you do with helping parents heal. Um, about 18 months into my journey, having lost, you know, my son passed in uh, 2018. And if it I had a wonderful grief counselor. Um, he was in his 80s, and he, he was very open uh, to communication with spirit. He was very open to that. Um, and unfortunately, he passed at my four-month mark. And so I tried different things, um, uh, grief, grief groups, and something led me to helping parents heal. And so I, I just wanted to thank you, Brian, for what you do. And I can see where your book is so beautifully written and simply stated that it would help anybody. It would have been so tremendously help, helpful early in my grief. And I can see where it will help a lot of people in early grief. So well, thank, thank you. you. Um, and I, and I, had to, you know, I always talk about helping parents heal. I mean, it, it's, I, I was talking to Elizabeth Blasano a few days ago. I interviewed her for my podcast. And you know, I was telling her she's literally saved thousands of lives with with this organization. I mean, and, and I, I don't, tip, I'm not prone to exaggeration, but I mean that literally. Um, so many people have found helping parents heal, and it's been such a great resource. It, it's helped me tremendously. So I, I'm really glad to be able to give back to other parents. And 
you know, when I was early in my journey and I would look at someone like um, someone who was farther out, someone who was eight or 10 years down the road uh, and helping parents heal, it made it, it made, it gave me hope. And I went to some traditional group, group groups. I remember I went to one, one time and there was a woman there. Her daughter had passed 10 years earlier. She was just as angry, just as disappointed, just as hopeless as she was the day her daughter passed. And I was, my wife and I walked out of there and we said, we don't want to be that person. If I have to be here for another 10 or 15 years, I don't want to live that way. Um, so it's, it's a, it's an effort. It's, it's, it's a, and that's what I, in the book I try to say to people, you know, make a plan, do these things. I, 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 I encourage meditation, exercise, uh, you know, serving, studying, you know, um, music, getting out in nature, you know, whatever it is that works for you to help you to heal, but don't just wallow in it and, and, and to get the hope that's going to allow you to, to move forward uh, and make your kid proud because our kids, you know, they're, they're watching us. Right. So, yeah, I experienced the same thing with uh, the group. I thought some people were 15, 20 years out and I thought, do I have to be like that for the rest of my life? I thought I I can't do that. I'd rather not be here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought the exact same thing. So, um, you know, the thing is, I believe that spirit gives us what we need. So for me, I mean, the fact that I found having Paris heal was pretty much of a miracle. Uh, like was, I touched on earlier how I met Mark and how I met Elizabeth. And then I met so many people that, that got, that brought me into the group. And, um, that path was like, it was just laid out for me. I mean, it's not, it wasn't through my own efforts. It's, it was crazy how things happen. That's how it works. Thank you. I have been struggling with the soul planning prior to my daughter and my grandson's passing. I always thought that every experience in life was a learning experience. There was something for us to learn, some way for us to grow from that. But honestly, I'm, I'm still struggling with what in the world is it that I was supposed to learn from this experience? Other than the fact that I could survive this horrible pain, what, what have other people, what conclusion have you come to? What is the lesson for you? Well, the first thing I say to people about soul planning is, you don't have to accept it. So if it doesn't bring you peace and it doesn't bring you comfort, and I know a lot of times in, in our community, we talk about it as if it's just a known fact. So I would just say, first of all, if it's not bringing you peace and comfort, then just let it go. If it doesn't make you feel empowered, you know, then I would say maybe come back to it later. Um, but um, whether you believe in soul planning or you just believe that stuff just happens, um, we can take whatever happens and try to make the best of it. So, you know, and, and I don't know that there is a one definite answer like Shana passed at the age of 15. So I would do this. Uh, we all have kind of individual soul plans, but we also all have a basic soul plan, which is to experience life while we're here and to love and to serve others. So I think we all have that, that basic mission. So, um, you know, when we say, okay, why did she pass? Why did she pass that way? Why did she pass that way at that time? I don't know if those are answers that we're going to have while we're on the side. But uh, what I would say to anybody is I said, regardless of what you believe in soul planning or, you know, just accidents, um, we have what we have. We have the hand we've been dealt. 
So how do we deal, how do we make the best out of the hand we've been dealt? How do we take that and, um, you know, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, so, you know, as you said, Cindy, it, it could be just the fact that you're resilient enough to survive this. I tell any parent who's still breathing after their child died, you're a warrior. I mean, the fact that you're still here and you're still breathing, that's an accomplishment. And I've, I've, I've counseled people that are like, I was talking to someone, she said, I'm not doing enough. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I want to have a spiritual business. I'm like, well, you, you have a job and you're providing for your other two daughters who are younger and need you right now. They're both very you know, active because they're like 11 and 13. I'm like, so don't feel like you have to do more. The, the, what we call the small things sometimes, that's our purpose. It might just be, and not just be, your purpose might be serving your, your grandchildren. Your purpose might be serving your husband or your, you know, your neighbors. Um, so that we don't all have to, you know, have some, what we call a grandiose plan. And, and we find out when people have near death experiences, by the way, when they're doing the life reviews, a lot of times the things that they think are small are actually the bigger things on the other side, smiling at a stranger. You don't know how that might impact somebody saying a kind word to somebody. You might, you might've prevented that person from killing themselves and you may never know it till you're on the other side. So, um, I would say Cindy, you know, as I said, the soul planning thing is a hard thing. Uh, not everybody's in agreement with how much is planned. Are there any accidents? Who does the planning? Do we have a council? Do we have a contract? Um, so I try not to get caught up in all those details. I just, I think that whatever happens, it can be for the best. I think there is, the universe is in, synchroni in, in synchronicity. And I trust that when, quote, bad things happen, that there's a reason for it. Thank you. Um, I, I'd like, can I speak to that too? This is Ty. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, I, I too had a hard time um, accepting that this was soul planned and this was our path. But uh, after um, four years now, I, I am feeling like this is the path that Brian, Shana, Kayla, and I chose and that we're walking through. And one of the things that helped me come to start to accept that this was soul planned is I, you know, I, I just, I kept thinking to myself, we're, we're good people. We're decent people. How could something so horrible happen to us? Like, you know, who, who is hating us or, you know, what, why does the universe you know, why is the universe after us? Why is God after us? But uh, I, I've slowly come to realize that um, the universe is not after us, that the universe is really working in our favor and we're not bad people. And that to me, it just seems to make sense that this is something that we planned and something that we knew we could get through and that we could help others through. And uh, I feel like, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for some major, um, this is what you're supposed to do or whatever. I, I feel like, like Brian said, that my role right now is support, is support for Brian and the work that he's doing and the help that he's providing others and the support to our daughter, Kayla, who um, will start grad school in the fall. She's going into mental health counseling. And I, at this point in time, I've accepted my role 
in why this happened as supporting the people in my family and walking out what I feel like is their life's purpose. And through that, I think this is why this was meant to be for us right now. Your presence years down the track of such a horrific thing as losing a child or, or having a child transition can just be enough in itself to help someone else to say, well, they were really close and she's still going, exactly. maybe you do get through that. Maybe you just, I don't know how she does it, but they see you in the community and they, well, I don't know how, she, I don't know how she does that, but she does. Yeah. And that gives people a model, a role model that you can get through it. I come from a family where my grandfather died four days after the burial of his uh, uh, firstborn son. So when we stand tall, we break down old values. We break down old training when we stand tall and show that you can survive and thrive. Yeah, that's a really good point, Karen. I, and I, I don't think I, I mentioned that yet. Yeah, just being a witness, just just being, just surviving. Um, you don't know how many people that you might encourage to get through those early days. Yep. And one brief comment. I want to say thank you to Ty. I loved what she said. She, as a divine creation, and with free will, is able to uh, sort out the path that she should be taking. Uh -oh. I think it's it's so easy to stay in that old way of, of teaching and religion because I was um, born and raised Catholic. And um, yeah, you know, I could have easily just sunk back into how I used to feel years ago. You know, I've done something bad. How, why, you know, this, I caused this to happen or whatever. And I, I, I believe I don't believe that. I believe that, um, you know, the universe, God, spirit is, is always working in my favor and for me. And I, uh, I accept that this is my path. Uh, this is our journey. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get through. And as someone said earlier, just getting through is, um, that, that, that's a lot. And I think that, uh, that helps me to see other people that have gotten through and that are farther down the road. And, and I'm hoping that our journey and the way we're walking through will help someone else too. Ty, would you like to speak to the concept of the shining light parent, which I just love? Oh, yes. I love that too. I, uh, our favorite, one of our favorites, Suzanne Giesman, I think, um, you know, kind of coined that term for us, shining light parent. And, you know, I, um, I didn't start out as a shining light parent, but um, I think it takes time. And I think the Helping Parents Hill group has just been tremendous for us. And I think being with that group and around the like-minded people, I think that that's totally turned us into shining, a shining light parent. And we feel like our kids are shining the light helping us to get through this. And then in turn, we feel like we're t becoming and we are shining like parents. And, you know, our goal is just to 
have more and more shining light parents out there because this has happened to so many families and it's, you know, it's of course going to continue to happen to families. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's an honor to be able to shine the light uh, for other people as we're walking through this. Well, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. That's, that's really wonderful to uh, Ty. And, and I, I know that it's a team effort, you know, that the yeah. three of you, the three of the four of you, have formed such a tight team and all supporting each other and it's just wonderful. I wonder if you'd sh uh, share with us some of the signs that you have had personally from Shana. Uh, for me, I, um, I've only had um, two um, what I would call visitations for Shana, possibly three visitations for Shana. But, um, Shana loved animals, and her goal was to go to her, her dad's college, Ryan's College, OSU, to become a veterinarian. And so I feel that I get my most and biggest signs from Shana in nature. And um, I uh, constantly ask her for signs, and I get cardinals all the time. Um, we get uh, hummingbirds. And just yesterday, uh, someone left a... Um, cardinal little cardinal on our um, on our porch and I, I believe that those types of things are driven and led by Shana um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones we uh, we get so many signs for instance Brian and I were out last night with some friends and um, their daughter was one of Shana's friends there's a group they call themselves the Shana six and they were uh, friends of Shana's and they these girls have just been amazing and one of the girls got a call from a kid yesterday, four years ago, he was going to New Zealand on a trip and Shana collects snow globes. And she had asked the child, to, uh, the young man, to bring her back a snow globe. And by the time he got back from the trip, Shana had passed. And so he called yesterday and you know wants to make a connection with us to give us the snow globe. I, I, I think that's a sign. I mean, to me, that's a sign that the kid could have easily thrown the um, snow globe away or not even purchased the snow globe, even though she asked for one. And I just, I find so many little things like that, that I just, I know and believe that they're, they're Shana driven. So uh, I, I have a whole bunch of little things that have happened and I feel her presence all the time. I, I never meditated or anything before Shana passed away. And this whole journey has sent me into a, a spiritual realm that I never even thought possible, never even explored. And uh, I know she's right here with us. I know she is. Ty, that's beautiful. Brian, just before yeah. we go, could you share the story of the butterfly? I will. Um, well, I do want to say one thing. If you want to know, see some of the signs, if you go to www.shanaelaine.com, and I'll, I'll type that in. It's S-H-A-Y-N-A-E-L-A-Y-N-E. -E. Uh, and just look at the category signs. I, I, I've outlined some of there. But that one, I mean, and, you know, Ty touched on some of them. We've had so many. I, we'd be here all night, but. Uh, yeah, it was not too long after Shana passed. Uh, Kayla was home. She was out on the deck and she called me. I was working in my office. She said, Daddy, come out. There's a butterfly. So I went out. There's this butterfly and been flying around for a while. And I said, Okay. She said, Is it Shana? I said, Well, I think it's a sign from Shana. I don't think it's Shana. So, you know, the butterfly was flying around and just kept looping around and coming back to the deck. And so I came back in my office and was working. And Kayla texted me again, like 15 or 20 minutes later. I said, and so I went out there, I'm like, what's going on? She said, the butterfly is still here. And it sat 
like on a chair, like right where, where Shana or Kayla was, and she actually was able to reach out and touch the butterfly. So that was, you know, sometimes things like that are unusual animal, animal behavior. But Shana likes to, um, she likes to mess with electronics. So she's done things with my phone. Um, she's done things with my computer. She's done things with, with lights. Uh, she w- actually, now I think about it, she stopped doing it. She was turning the fan on in our, in our uh, bedroom yes. all the time. We have a ceiling fan and she would just turn that on and lights would come on, you know, like randomly. Um, so she's been very, very active. Um, and then she does things through mediums. She does drop-ins with mediums. And Suzanne Giesman has called us and said, I just gave you one. She called up and said, um, we have this thing called a uh, happy thought bubble. And it's this little glass, like Christmas ornament type thing. It hangs in our kitchen. And it's purple. So Suzanne one time says, I'm getting this image from Shana. It looks kind of like this thing. Um, I forgot what she called it, but something that's a Christmas that ornament. No, but she called it the, the image that she had shown us was a, a uh, it was a spiritual sign. But anyway, she said, it looks kind of like a Christmas ornament. It's shiny and stuff. I think it's purple. And we said, yeah, that's our happy thought bottle. So we sent her a picture. Then a few weeks later, Suzanne calls back and she says, um, is there a crack in the happy thought bubble? And we're like, no, not that I'm aware of. I don't think it's cracked. So I take it down from where it is. And on the very top of the bubble, there's a hairline crack that we had never noticed before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Shana had dropped in on Suzanne and given her. And then Shana's had, there's been several drop-ins with Shana and Suzanne that are just pretty amazing. So those are just a couple of the things that, um, that she's done and, and continues to do. Brian and Ty, and thank you very much for for sharing your um, journey and and the tools that um, you've subsequently come to um, write in a book for people. I haven't read it as of yet. I, you know, my table's groaning with books to read, um, but I will do get round to it one day. And I, I take on board what the lady said that it is a it is a very helpful book. So well done. Thank you very much for coming along today to the both of you and to your two girls um, who obviously are not physically there at the moment. Um, yeah, so this is a great talk. Thank you. Brian, that was wonderful. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for your mission in this life. Part of what your plan is, is to bring this message to people and you're doing it very well. And that's something that's just going to help to change people's lives because we have such a great message and you deliver it very well. So I want to thank you very much for coming and uh, look forward to having more correspondence with you. Thanks. I appreciate it. And I just mm-hmm. want to say real quickly, again, I, I touched on this at the beginning. It's an honor to be working with you guys. I've been, I met Wendy and Victor at the AREI. I met Craig at the AREI. So this is like a dream come true for me to be working with you guys. So I appreciate it. Well, we're absolutely thrilled to be in partnership with you, Brian, because you're just taking it to places that we can't go. So thank you for all you and Ty are doing. It's just lovely to see the whole of your family, Kayla, are being involved as well. The four of you are just just such a powerful, powerful presence and uh, helping so many people. So thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Ty. I I have some idea of just how important your influence is in just holding this all together too. Well, thank you, Wendy. Well, that's it for another episode of Grief to Growth. This is your host, Brian Smith. I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to reach out to me anytime at www.grieftogrowth.com. That's www.grief2growth.com. 
lifegrowth.com. And you may know I am a life coach and grief partner. So if you'd like to schedule a free half-hour consultation and see how we might work together, you can do that on my website at grieftogrowth.com. Thanks a lot and have a wonderful day. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.